will be his fourth career appearance and second this season. Tartini off the mound, the jump throw! Yeah, buddy! Pitchers who field! <laughs> and he just gave the Advent Elzeley tip of the cap to the crowd. Well done. Well done, Victor. One, two, three, nine. That's how you do it. Tim Anderson a drive. Center field. To Shields back at the wall. It is gone! Tim thought he got the first one. He lambastes this one, and it's 5-4. Lynn threw a fastball right down the middle. That was center cut, and home run number 11. Four driven in for Tim Anderson. Take a look at Lynn. He knows as soon as it leaves the bat, it's gone. Ooh. Yep, dark, he said, I believe. Fort home run replay, and that is a blast. It's probably a good 450 to straightaway center field. Talking baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Makata drills this ball right field. The only question is which deck. It's a two-run homer. A comet on a progressive field. There's a blast deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And the pitch. Swinging at a fly ball to right and deep. Folks, we're talking baseball in the air to right center field. How about this for a homecoming? That is crushed into the second deck for Bryce Harper, and he gives those Phillies fans a chance to jump up and down one more time. This ball is K I L T killed. My goodness, a chance to walk it off against Neil Ramirez here in the ninth. And when he hits a part, then it goes far. Talking Baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, good morning, everyone. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next ah, 90 minutes, Talking Baseball. We're going to work a little soccer in there because if you are, in fact, a soccer fan, there was the Chicago Fire last night. There's U.S. Men's National Team. The U.S. Women's National Team plays Spain tomorrow. There is the Copa America. There is the African Cup of Nations. And the Chicago Red Stars play tonight. So there's like six different things you can talk soccer-wise. We're going to do that from like 1130 till 12. Get into the fire match from last night. But... The next 90 minutes, soccer, or baseball talk, excuse me. Almost got really excited about the soccer. Um, 312-332-3776. Fred Huebner with you for the next two hours. Uh, nice to be back after a couple of weeks off. Uh, made a little trip out to Philadelphia. Good thing I wasn't there last night. Apparently there was a big oil explosion. Uh, good thing I missed that one. Um, but, uh, back here and, uh, as a baseball fan, you can jump into if you're a baseball fan and you feel the same way I do. If you're a Cub fan or a Sox fan, this week has been great and this week has sucked. This week has been wonderful and this week has been aggravating. This week has been frustrating and it's been thrilling. It, it, is this what we do as baseball fans on a daily basis? 
you know, our emotions go as high as possible and then as low as can be, or almost as low as can be. The Sox Cub Series earlier this week. White Sox win. Eloy goes deep. His return to, well, his first time at Wrigley Field. And he hits a two-run homer. The White Sox win. Lucas Giolito, unbelievable. He's going against the Cubs, and he gets shelled right off the bat. Four runs in the first inning. It's like, okay. Highs and lows for both teams. Cup fans, you're excited. Do you kick the crap out of Lucas Giolito? You're upset because the guy that you gave up to get Jose Quintana hits a two-run homer and beats you. Then the Mets come to town. Albert Alzale, who we're still, or I'm sorry, I, I pronounced the T. Albert Alzale comes in in relief of Tyler Chatwin, goes four innings. He pitches wonderfully. Everybody's excited. The Mets are in town. And then the Cubs lose two games in a row to the Mets. They get six hits in each of the two games. In the game on Friday, the Cubs get six hits. Hugh Darvish gets two of them. Yesterday, the Cubs get six hits. And Jason Hayward gets three of them. This team, I've gone back and forth with people on Twitter. This team needs consistent offense. I know. It sounds really stupid, doesn't it? Right after uh, Jose Quintana bites the big one yesterday. Quintana was brutal. Four and a third, nine hits, nine runs, eight earned, two walks, two strikeouts. And talk about long balls. It was Alonzo. It was Frazier. It was Ramos all going deep off of the uh, Cubs lefty. And uh, that was not good. Uh, Joe Madden said it afterwards that, uh, hey, from the start, it was not Hughes Nye. It just wasn't there today. I mean, that's that's... I know that may sound uh, ambiguous or obscure, but it's, that's what you see from the side where the ball jumps at the end or it doesn't. And uh, they were on him. They were just on him from the beginning, and um, it wasn't getting any better. Well, the ball jumped. Unfortunately, it was jumping off the bats of the New York Mets as they hit those three home runs. Uh, the Cubs had opportunities. I was uh, watching the game yesterday. I did not have the sound on, and I'm making notes on my iPhone as I was somewhere I couldn't really write anything down, so... I'm sitting there, and I, I go, okay, Alonzo home run in the first inning, and that, that wasn't good for the Cubs. And the Cubs first, Schwarber, single. Bryant, single. I go, ah, they're coming right back. Here they go. Baez bounces into a double play, and Contreras strikes out. Well, next inning, Wheeler, a two-run single. The pitcher, Zach Wheeler with a two-run single. Well, the Cubs are going to come back, right? First and second, nobody out in the second inning. Caratini strikes out. Quintana with a sacrifice, runners to second and third, and Russell hits a fly ball to center field, and it's caught. The Cubs unable to get runners home. 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position yesterday, and Joe Madden talked about missing those opportunities early. We started out well. First two innings, first and second, nobody out, double play. Uh, Second inning, first and second, I believe also nobody out, and we didn't get uh, anything out of that either. Um, Addison hit the ball pretty well to center field. In the inning, so it's the beginning of the game. Really, was the tail of the tape. Had we been able to manipulate something there early, I think we could have uh, and would have used the bullpen differently, and it could have been a different result. But they got us early and, and uh, never looked back. You also never know, and uh, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is me as the optimistic baseball fan. But you never know if, in fact, the Cubs come back and get some runs in the first inning. If Quintana buckles down and pitches better. But the Cubs don't, and he goes out there and gives up some more runs. And then the Cubs have a chance, and they don't score, and he goes out there and he gives up more runs. You never know. 
Your offense needs to help your pitcher sometimes when the pitcher's in trouble. But Quintana has struggled so badly of late. I'm looking here over his last six starts, including yesterday. Jose Quintana's given up 42 hits and 23 earned runs in 35 and a third innings. It's a 5.86 ERA over that stretch. Uh, the Cubs are four and 12 over their. I'm sorry, four and eight over their last 12 games, and now they've got. The Mets again today, and it should be a great pitcher's duel if it gets in. It's supposed to rain again this afternoon. Hopefully they can get this one in and get a win before the Braves come to town. A very, very good Atlanta Braves team for a four-game series. We'll talk more about that as uh, the Cubs have their pitching rotation lined up. And because of their rotation, it kind of changed what they could do in the bullpen yesterday. We'll talk about that as we go along. 312-332-3776. It was a scheduled day off for Anthony Rizzo. He actually did come in and play as uh, Madden said, okay, this one's out of control. Let's get some of the guys that are on the field out and get them some rest before we play the uh, Sunday game. But today it'll be Hamels and DeGrom, 120 first pitch. Madden's lineup out already. Kyle Schwarber in left, Bryant at third. Rizzo's back in the lineup at first base. Javi Baez at short. You got uh, Jason Hayward in right field. David Bodie is at second base. Victor Caratini is catching don't you don't you kind of want Wilson Contreras out there? I don't know. Um, maybe it was a scheduled day off. Cole Hamels is pitching. Albert Almora is in center field. Jacob DeGrom going against Cole Hamels. Hamels has been pitching very, very well of late. You look at what he's done. He is 2-1. and one. In his last four starts with an 0-31 ERA, 6-2 and for the season, 285 earned run average. And um, he needs to step up. He needs to be their stopper as uh, they got to put an end to this short two-game losing streak. 3-1-2-3-3-2-3-7-7-6. So we talked about Quintana. We talked about back-to-back losses to the New York Mets. And you can't do that. Okay, you really can't do that. You look at the Mets. The Mets are not a team the Cubs should be losing to. Uh, the Mets are three games under 500 right now. They're 37 and 40. But you look at the National League Central, and Pakoda tipped us off on this. And, you know, we probably knew this, especially after last year, with how well the Milwaukee Brewers played, that the National League Central was going to be one heck of an interesting division uh, this year. Right now, the Cubs, as of the start of business today, the Cubs have a half-game lead over Milwaukee. Milwaukee snapped their losing streak yesterday. They beat Cincinnati. So Milwaukee is a half-game back. The Cardinals have won seven of their last ten. They are now one game back of the Cubs. The Reds, three games under five hundred, four and a half back of the Cubs. And the Pittsburgh Pirates... 35 and 40, they are just five and a half back of the Cubs. So one through five in the National League Central divided by just five and a half games. The other trailers in divisions around baseball, American League East, 27 and a half. The Royals are 24 and a half behind the Twins in the Central. In the West, the Mariners are 15 and a half. The Mariners, remember how hot they started? They're 15 and a half games back of the Astros in the West. Nationally East, the Miami Marlins are 15 back of the Braves. And the Giants are 18 and a half back of the Dodgers. But... The National League Central continues to be one heck of an interesting division. Uh, the Braves come to town tomorrow for the Cubs. Braves are, uh, they have a five and a half game lead. 
They're 45 and 32. They have a 584 winning percentage, second in the National League, only to the LA Dodgers. We'll talk a lot more about baseball around the league besides the White Sox and Cubs uh, in just a little bit. Uh, speaking of the White Sox, again, I had mentioned. You know, gluttons for punishment, just baseball fans, highs and lows, what we go through on a weekly, daily basis. I think if you listen enough, uh, long enough, you've heard it from Sylvie. Uh, thrilled about the, what the Cubs are doing, aggravated on a day when they don't play well. And then, you you know, we go back and forth with Cap. It's early. It's not early. Uh, things will be okay. They won't be okay. You got to change. Uh, Quintana's elite. He's not elite. We didn't like the trade. We liked the trade. We needed to make the trade. All kinds of things. And that's what I love about baseball. Because it's a, you know, 162 games. You need to go on a stretch. You need to get a few wins here and there and get on a roll. And the Cubs need that now. The White Sox still struggling to get to that 500 mark and over are two games under after a loss for them last night. Let's look at some White Sox from last night. The White Sox score not one, not two, but four runs in the top of the first inning yesterday. That's right, four runs. You got this is great. Yeah, you know, we need to score because you got a pitcher out there that, you know, Shea Pepler, I was reading, and she said she was in the uh, studios over at Fox she goes, I can't believe that we have to watch Despagne pitch for the White Sox. And basically, she was echoing the thoughts of every single White Sox fan out there. Yesterday, we had Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Chicago, their senior producer on, with me and Murph. Murph and Fred, uh, every Saturday from 9 until noon. Uh, Despagne goes out there and he gives it up. Yep. Uh, he was uh, he did not pitch well for the White Sox yesterday. Three innings, eight hits, four runs, two home runs. Nomar Mazzara looks like a looks like a uh, all star when he plays against the White Sox, especially down in Texas. Three home runs in the first two games of that series. So the Sox with a four run first. The Sox actually took a five four lead in this game, and then Evan Marshall came in after Josh Osich went two and a third of one hit ball. Pitched very, very well in relief, and the White Sox needed it. They got it from Osich, and Evan Marshall, who had not given up an earned run, gave up like five straight hits. And uh, the Rangers ended up taking the lead and winning the game 6-5 to five last night. Tim Anderson had a nice game and a game that aggravated me. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Tim Anderson, a three-run double in the first inning. Uh, Sanchez, Yolmer Sanchez, then with a double scoring Anderson. Anderson for the game, three for four with two runs scored. He had his 11th homer of the season, four runs batted in. Larry Garcia was two for four, but the White Sox fall six to five to the Rangers. They are 36 and 38. Uh, the Anderson homer, yeah, it went a ways. Tim Anderson a drive, center field to Shields back at the wall. It is gone. Tim thought he got the first one. He lambastes this one, and it's 5-4. Lynn threw a fastball right down the middle. That was center cut, and home run number 11. Four driven in for Tim Anderson. Take a look at Lynn. He knows as soon as it leaves the bat, it's gone. Ooh. Yep, dark, he said, I believe. Fourth home run replay, and that is a blast. It's probably a good 450 to straightaway center field. 
Yeah, they marked it, I think, at like 440 or something like that, the home run for Tim Anderson yesterday. Highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago and the earlier highlights we played courtesy of ABC. Uh, you heard um, Jason Benetti, and I'll play it a little bit later again, but he said, Tim thought he got the first one. That was the three-run double in the first inning, and that I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit, maybe bottom of the hour, why it's so difficult for me to love Tim Anderson. So you you don't want to miss that. Uh, but Despagne for the White Sox pitching. three t- He's been out there for three outings, and he's been absolutely brutal. He's 0-2, 13 innings pitched, 24 hits, 14 earned runs, three homers, seven walks, seven strikeouts. His whip, his walks and hits to innings pitched is 2.33. He's got a 9.45 ERA, and the opposition... The opposition's hitting 407 off of him in three games. After the game last night, White Sox reporters asked Ricky Renteria, will Despagne get another start? With uh, Despagne, we uh, need to consider another option there in that, in that spot in the rotation. I think that um, as far as we're concerned, Despagne is here until he's not, and he will continue to get his opportunities uh, until we all, you know, Find either a different option, or we decide that we need an option. Right now, he's he's still gonna, as far as we're concerned, we'll still get uh, send him out there and, and try to allow him to do his job. Now, to be honest, that's about all Ricky Renteria can say because coaches and managers are given the players to play with. They are given the uh, players the 25-man roster, and they have to use them. Uh, it appears now that after today, the White Sox have an Ivan Nova going today, 205 start. It's going to be a little toasty down in Arlington, Texas. Uh, that's why they played last night's game at 805. They started it later, so it would be a little bit cooler. Today, 205. Uh, yeah, the um, middle of the afternoon down in Arlington. So it'll be Ivan Nova going for the White Sox as they're trying to uh, win that series after splitting the first two games. So Nova goes today, then the White Sox go to Boston. So it gets no easier. The White Sox are now 4-4 four and four in the 15-game stretch against playoff hopefuls. They played the Yankees. Cubs, now Texas, then Boston, and they wrap it up with a home series against Minnesota. But you look at the White Sox, and they don't give up. They certainly don't give up. They play hard all the way through. Lurie Garcia is a guy that, to be honest with you, I thought I was an Adam Engel fan. And when you look at outfield defense, I'm still an Adam Engel fan. And I think he's a guy that should be playing in center field. The problem is he can't hit. Lurie Garcia hits enough. Um, he has nine outfield assists, which leads the major leagues. He had one yesterday, a single to center, um, and he throws to home and gets Zach Collins the ball on the fly. Now, I tweeted this out or posted it from some other people because they said, you know, talked about the throw, and I said, that's the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to th- try to throw the ball on the fly to home plate. If you remember earlier this week, there was a play where there was a ball hit to Chris Bryant, who was playing left field. He bounced the ball before the cutoff man. Now, some people will say, well, he sailed the cutoff man. Well, the only way you're going to get the guy out at the plate last night was for Larry Garcia to throw the ball on the fly. If he bounces it anywhere, the guy, runner's going to score. They're going to tack on another run. Garcia made the great, the right play. I've argued over and over with quote, baseball experts about bouncing the ball into the catcher at home plate. Well, it's easier for him to catch it. Throw the ball on the fly. 
if you're a good outfielder, and Larry Garcia has shown with nine outfield assists, he can do it, and he nailed the guy. That was nice to see yesterday. Zach Collins, 0 for 7 so far after his first home run, that three-run shot, which helped the White Sox win on a Friday at night. The bullpen has been absolutely amazing. When you look at this White Sox bullpen, Murph yesterday off the air asked me a question. I don't think we got this on the air. Eric, we didn't talk on the air about the White Sox um, not shopping, but listening to callers or to people about Aaron Bummer, did we? No, we never got to that. We did not. Yeah, and that's um, how do you feel as a White Sox fan when you got a guy like Aaron Bummer who last year, you his last name was appropriate um, because last year when he came in, you didn't really get excited. This year, he's one of the better left-handed relievers in baseball. As the White Sox are building do you want to see the White Sox move him for more prospects? It's so hard because, as you said, he's an incredible talent with that left-handed arm. But yeah. bullpen arms are so fickle. Like, he could have a great year this year, and then he can go back to what he was two year, or the year before. Yeah. So I think right now is his – like, can you get a haul for him now? Like, the haul is never going to be as good now as it will be later. So I, no, I almost, you know it won't yeah. be as good later as it will be now. Correct. Yeah, yeah so okay. I got all mixed up. Um, but I, I just think – Now's the time to strike with him. Bullpen arms are literally a year-to-year, if not month-to-month thing. Yeah, and he's pitching great right now. So, you know, with the trade deadline coming up a little bit later on, uh, you look at it, and I'm sure that there are teams out there looking for a lefty out of the bullpen. You're always looking for a lefty out of the bullpen. And Aaron Bummer right now is a guy that can do it. But the bullpen for the White Sox. Now, Evan Marshall had a rough one last night. Like I said, he gave up some runs. Um, He gave up two earned runs. Um, He's given up three this year. Those were the first earned runs he's given up all season long. Bummer's got a 188 earned run average, 21 games, 24 innings. He's given up 12 hits, five earned runs, a homer, 26 strikeouts compared to six walks. Colome has had 16 save opportunities, and he has cashed in on all 16. So their bullpen is doing the job. And now the question is, what's going to happen on Tuesday? It appears the White Sox are going to go with a bullpen day. Now, there are a lot of White Sox fans who said they should have done that last night and not throw Despagne. But as I mentioned, and as Ricky Renteria said, as far as we are concerned, he's here and he will go in another five days. Well, we'll see how that's going to happen. We'll see how that's going to work. We'll see if Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox, makes any move on that. As the White Sox still try to get back to that 500. They, they reached the 500. They're trying to get back to 500 and uh, then go from there. That's what you want to see this team do. Um, you don't really concern yourself too much about the wild card. We'll discuss that a little bit next hour. Do you want to see the White Sox make a push for the wild card? But we come back. I want to talk a little bit about players not running out of the box. I know, the old man, get off my lawn. But this happened to the Sox. This happened to the Cubs. This has happened to, on the north side, Contreras and Baez. And you've seen Chris Bryant. This has happened on the south side with Yolmer Sanchez, Yoan Moncada, Tim Anderson. We're going to talk a little bit about this outs on the bases Really killed the Cubs the other day. We'll discuss that and much, much more. Jump on in. 312-332-3776. Fred Huebner with you right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Huebner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Talking baseball, talking socks and Cubs, and we'll get into some rest of baseball around the major leagues. And uh, as a White Sox fan growing up, there was no team I despised more than the New York Yankees. 
because every time the White Sox would play the Yankees way back when I was just starting to watch baseball, you know, the Yankees would beat them. And this is when there was an American League and a National League and no divisions, and the Yankees would always win. And the Yankees would always go to the World Series. And everybody talked about the Yankees. And uh, I couldn't stand them. And I've told people over the years, I was a fan. I, I, love, I, thought, I love Derek Cheater. Love the way he played. Love the way he carried himself. Um, I guess you could say on and off the field. Um, but you look at it, and I just didn't, didn't like the just the whole possibility of Yankees. Just the concept of the Yankees I could do without because um, they keep winning. And now this year, they keep winning. Just winning and winning and winning. You look, are you going to see a Yankees-Dodgers? I know Cub fans. I'm not saying the Cubs won't get to the playoffs of the World Series. I'm just saying the Dodgers are playing so well right now. 53-25. and 25. They've won five in a row. The Yankees, 49-27. and 27. They've won eight in a row. I could do without a Yankee-Dodger World Series. That would be one that if I wasn't in this business, I probably would not watch. Just because it's the Yankees and the Dodgers. But let's be honest, the Dodgers are due after losing a couple of World Series. 312-332-3776. You can also get to me on Twitter at Fred underscore Hubner. And I'm going to read a couple of the Twitter responses I got because some White Sox fans can't figure out what my problem is with Tim Anderson. I'll lay it out for you in just a minute or two. Let's start on the other side of town. The Cubs-White Sox game the other day, I went and looked for the highlight. I found the highlight. Unfortunately, we can't use it. Um, The Cubs and White Sox were tied at one, and it was in the bottom of the eighth inning. And Chris Bryant hits a high, high pop-up. And here comes Eloy Jimenez. Here comes Larry Garcia. Out goes Tim Anderson, and they let the ball drop. And it drops right there. It was sky high. All three of them could have possibly caught the ball. And you look, and Chris Bryant standing at first base. And the broadcasters said, he should have been running. Why wasn't he at second base? He's got to be at second base on that play. Yes, he does. You're a baseball player. I don't care what level you are. You hit the ball in fair territory. You've got to run. He did not run. And the next play... With the shift on, Bryant at first, the shift is on. Rizzo's up, hits a ground ball to where the shortstop would be. Instead, it's Moncada who flips it to Anderson and throws to first. They get the double play. Sox out of the inning. Aloya Menez hits the home run. White Sox win 3-1. to one. If you're a Cub fan and you are not completely aggravated by that, something's seriously wrong. Now, the broadcasters were all over Chris Bryant for that, which was great. Because I don't care if it's Chris Bryant, if it's Javi Baez, if it's Anthony Rizzo. you got to be all over your guy when he makes a mistake. Love him. Tremendous. He screwed up. Okay? If you're a baseball fan, you're a Sox fan, you're a Cub fan, you don't make excuses for guys like that. you got to call them out. They've got to be held to a higher level. They're professional baseball players who've got to do their job. And after the game, Chris Bryant said, I screwed up. I should have been at second base on that. Yes, he should have been. And who knows if that changes that inning, the bottom of the eighth inning for the Cubs. Okay. The very next day, the White Sox are trailing six to three. Lucas Giolito got hit. It was the Wilson Contreras game. Okay. Grand slam, another homer. And this happened. I want to say this is the sixth inning. The White Sox are trailing six to three. 
Tim Anderson gets a double into the corner. And I'm sitting on my couch going, don't go to third. Don't risk it. And Tim Anderson, heads up ball player, doesn't go to third. I'm going, okay, great. That's absolutely great. Then this happens. Two home runs, and he just nailed Anderson at third. Gave him credit for not trying to go to third base on that ball in the corner. I don't think this is a real smart move here with Abreu up there standing at second base with nobody out to get caught stealing. The temptation was great because he knows Lester doesn't like to throw. The speed is a big part of his game, but that's a high-risk play, and he paid the price. Yeah, he sure did. Highlights courtesy WGN-TV. I don't know what Tim Anderson is thinking. The White Sox are down 6-3. to three. There's nobody out. And you have your best, one of the best RBI guys in baseball at the plate in Jose Abreu. And you decide to try and steal third base. Probably the dumbest play I've seen in a long time. Now, the highlight we heard was from WGN-TV. The White Sox broadcasters were on NBC Sports Chicago, and they did not question Anderson trying to steal third. That's bad broadcasting, okay? Jim Deshays did a great, great job there. The the Chris Bryant play, Pat Hughes did a great job on that one. Again, highlight we couldn't use. Um, Benetti and Stone brought it up like a couple innings later about, you know, maybe that wasn't the right move for Tim Anderson. No, you think? You're watching the game. You're letting everybody know you got to tell the people that are maybe less informed or less baseball knowledgeable that that was a bad play. That's got to change. And it didn't. Yesterday, in the first inning, the bases are loaded. And Tim Anderson, who's having a good season for him, he's having a breakout season, leading the White Sox in hitting a 320 average after the game yesterday, 11 homers after his home run, 36 RBIs. He had four yesterday. 15 stolen bases, he's stuck on that. He's been stuck on that for a month. Um, He was very, very hot. Now people realize he can run, and uh, they watch him a little bit closer. He hits a ball yesterday to right center field, and it's a long, long, deep fly ball. They show the highlight, and the ball bounces off the wall because Delano DeShields can't get it. All three runs score. Once the ball bounced off the wall, Tim Anderson was not even halfway to first base. He thought it was gone, and he was Cadillacing it to first base. That is disgusting. If you're Ricky Renteria and you don't say, hey, Tim, your home run and your four RBIs is great, your 15th error, which leads all the baseball, was awful, you've got to play more heads-up baseball. You want to hit a home run and flip the bat? Like, you know... Yesterday, when you hit one to dead center field, it goes 440, and you knew it was gone. Okay, that's fine. But if the ball doesn't go over, I'm going to pull you out. I wouldn't have minded if Jose Rondon went in and played in the next inning because you can't allow guys to do that. We've seen Baez do it. I'm having a hard time. You want to jump in, 312-332-3776. If you're a baseball fan, how do you... How do you deal? Do you just let these things go because he's playing well? He made an error by not concentrating and not having his glove down yesterday. That's just a not working hard, not thinking error. He doesn't run out of the box. you got to do it. You can't not run out of the box. We talked about Rizzo the other day. Pop up to left field. 
and he rounds second, gets caught halfway, gets thrown out. Al Mora gets picked off first base. Cubs lose a close game because they lose five to four after they get two guys out on the base pads. Guys got to use their heads. They've got to be into the game. Don't ever tell me about coaching. These are baseball players. They've been playing the game forever. But if you're a White Sox fan, give me a call. Explain to me how you allow or how you deal with these things that Tim Anderson does. And uh, Cub fans can probably explain because Javi Baez did the same things. I got something from um, Bobby Brown, and he said, you don't like Tim Anderson? Okay, dude, it's a 162-game season. Let's see you run out of the box full speed every, every single time you make contact all season long. If the ball was two feet more north, we wouldn't even have this discussion. Don't rip my man, TA7. Okay, first of all, I don't get paid to play baseball. Bobby got back to me. He said he had four RBIs last night. The only reason we're in the game, defense has been south. He leads all of baseball with errors with 15 errors. Okay? He's... He's, he can be a great ball player. Someone's got to say, listen, Tim, you want to bring fun back to the game? You know what's fun? Russ running hard out of the box. You know what's fun is not making errors. That's fun. And for us as ball fans watching, that's fun. That's what we like seeing. We don't like seeing you standing halfway between home and first on a ball that's already bounced off the right center field wall. 312-332-3776. Callers, we'll get right to you after a quick break. Fred Hubner with you on ESPN 1000. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you, talking a lot of baseball. Next half hour, we're going to talk a lot about what's going on around the rest of baseball and also some things the Cubs and or White Sox should be doing as we get closer to the trade deadline. Callers, we'll get to you in split second. Uh, we're talking about Tim Anderson, um, maybe not hustling out of the box and stuff like that. And he didn't hustle yesterday out of the box, made his 15th error in the, of the uh, season, leads all of baseball. He drove in four runs and hit his 11th homer. Uh, the White Sox lose the final of uh, six to five yesterday. People questioning how I can not like Tim Anderson. It's not that I don't like him. It's like I don't like some of the things he's doing. Uh, by the way, happy birthday, Tim Anderson. Also, Chris Kampka. Says uh, Anderson, one of two White Sox players in the history of the team with 50-plus homers and 50-plus stolen bases before turning 26. The other, Carlos May. So Timmy Anderson's doing some great things. Just not consistently enough for me. Let's go to Homer, Glenn, and Dan. Dan, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on? Brad, what's up, buddy? Good to hear from the great baseball guys. What's happening? I agree with you 100% on what you're saying with everything. Freddie. That's Fred, that's when, scary. Uh, that's scary when you. That. It's scary when anybody agrees one hundred percent with me. <laughs> Fred, you know what you're saying, though. You, you're those team colleagues, man. They're blinded by these Cubs players and the. I was watching the Reds game the other day. Cubs are down. I mean, against the Reds, the Cubs, Reds, they're down two runs in the ninth to the Reds. Bias is up with a two old count. Nobody on base. The next pitch is swing from the heels. And uh, the announcers don't say nothing. It never comes up the next day. Your job is to get on base. It's still baseball, you know? Yeah, it is. Right it, is that not right? No, it is baseball. And, Dan, I appreciate the call. Your your phone's a little off, but I was able to catch everything you said. The one the one guy that's done a great job with this, with getting on base late in games, and I know people don't like him at the leadoff spot, but Kyle Schwarber has laid down bunts to get on base when, a team, when they're down more than one run. He realizes a solo homer is not going to help you. 
okay, uh, that you need runners, you need base runners, and he realizes that. Um, it, it is a team game. Uh, it's a weird thing. It's a team sport, but it's you against the pitcher. It's the most individual team sport you're ever going to see because um, if you don't perform well as an individual, you know, the odds are you're not going to be around for a while. Let's go to Highland Park and John. Hey, John, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up? Hey, how much, Fred? Thanks for taking the call. Um, I, I do agree with you um, on almost everything. I think for whatever reason, there's this, this shifting model towards trying to uh, entertain more and more people, and you see it in the NBA and the NFL, and it, it's unfortunately seems like it's trickling into the MLB. And, you know, whether you're a fan of the bat flips, I'm not um, just because of that trend. But you got guys like Zobris who are so beloved, and back in the day you had, you know, Kerry Wood, and these kind of hard-nosed guys that played the fundamentals uh, of the game. And that's, that's ultimately what leads you to championships is uh, timely hitting, smart base running and just executing those fundamentals. And I, I hate to see the shift away, regardless of how talented somebody is. Uh, you know, I don't agree with people lashing out at you that it's not about hating a guy. I think there's more raw talent in the league than there probably ever has been. Sure. Um, but it's just a matter of execution. And uh, I agree. It seems like it's a dying, a dying team to see that anymore. And that's, that's frustrating. So hopefully they can find a way to turn that around. John, appreciate the call. And, and the one thing I, I've given in to the bad flips. Okay. Uh, years ago, I wasn't a fan. Then bat flips on, you know, big deciding home runs, really cool. Bat flips in the first or second inning when you hit one really far. I don't, you know, go ahead. That's fine. But not running out of the box when you're, you think it's gone and it's not. That, that's a bad look. I remember last year Contreras did it. He stood at home plate and the ball bounced off the wall. We, we talked last year in the World Series. Manny Machado did it. Ball bounces off the wall. He was he thought it was gone. Ball bounces off the wall. He's standing at first base. It's awful uh, for a sport you love to watch. It's brutal. Let's go to Tom. Hey Tom, what's up? Hey Freddie, always enjoy you. You're the best, uh, and uh, with uh, your station and the other station, you're the best of all of them. Thanks, I appreciate it. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to say you have to uh, just consider Anderson. Uh, that uh, he's very arrogant, not running out, the same way with Javi Baez, the same way with uh, uh, Contreras. They're great players, but they, you know, their head is too big for them. You know, and that's, uh, I, I love to see, uh, you know, really humble guys. And, uh, uh, and we're not seeing that. We're seeing a lot of arrogance, and, you know, it's showing up because uh, the Cubs, you know they're not going to win anything this year. You know that, and I know that. And and uh, I think down the road we're all going to see that. Uh, uh, I, I long for the old days. You know, like uh, like you're talking about, because I'm a lot older than you are. <laughs> I, I just wish that we had those players that were truly humble. You know, I, I think of Nelly Fox. I think of Nelly Fox. He just tried to dunk the ball here and there. Uh, you know, and he was such a great player. And, you know, and that was all before free agency. Free agency has made these guys a lot more arrogant than they did. Than, uh, because they know they got the money no matter where they go. Well, and, and Tom, I appreciate the call. I I don't know if the money made him, made him arrogant because a lot of the guys that are playing, you know, they're, they're still not making it. I mean, Tim Anderson's got a deal. He he knows what he's getting paid for the next how many years? Eight years, nine years. Um, I just think that, and I understand Tim Anderson's thing sometimes when he says, you know, I want to bring fun back to the game. It's not fun when you make 15 errors. It's not fun when you're standing between home and first when the ball's already bounced off the right center field wall. Show the hustle. 
We know you've got it. You've got great speed. You have baseball sense. Use it. And that's the thing that's frustrating. You just like to see the guys hustle each and every time. And um, it, when they don't, uh, you know, I, everybody that was critical of Manny Machado, I mean, I, the same thing should be with your favorite player. If it's Tim Anderson, if it's Javi Baez, if, whoever it is, if he doesn't hustle, you should hold him to it. You know, call him out. Maybe they will start hustling. If they don't, Maybe they will be gone. Uh, Fred Hubner with you. I'm not gone. I got another hour. By the way, Cubs uh, activate right-handed reliever Tony Barnett. They option Rowan Wick to Iowa. We'll talk about about Barnett when we come back. Also, Nick Madrigal. A lot of good stuff going on for the White Sox. The Cubs got to ground today. Mets fans are all over town. Let's see what happens. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you on ESPN 1000. See Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. Base is clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you till 12 o'clock. Soccer fans, I know there's a few of you out there. Uh, we're going to talk some soccer. Bottom of the hour. 11.30 till 12. We've got fire to talk about. we get the U.S. men's national team. The U.S. women getting ready to play Spain in a knockout game. The round of 16 tomorrow an 11 o'clock start. And, um, hey, it's the USA. They're going for a World Cup. It's in Paris, It's in France. How cool would that be just to spend the uh, summer in France watching, watching soccer and uh, going to cafes? Uh, that'd be nice. So we'll talk some soccer bottom of the hour, 11.30. Uh, 312-332-3776, talking baseball. The uh, Cubs wrap up their series with the Mets. They are going for a split in the four-game series. It'll be Cole Hamels against Jacob deGrom. It's sunny as can be right now. And it was uh, my phone told me it was supposed to rain. Start raining at 12 noon right when we leave here. Have you seen any update at all, uh, Eric? I saw one of the ABC News uh, weathermen here yeah. tweeted out, and basically we, he said two more hours of clear sun at 10. So okay. right at noon when we're walking out. It's going to be raining. We'll be in the rain. Hopefully they can get this one in and uh, the Cubs can uh, get a split because then they have the Atlanta Braves coming to town. A battle of first place teams. The Braves on top of the AL East and uh, the Cubs still on top of the eight, I'm sorry, NL, of course, the NL East and the NL Central, the Braves, five and a half game lead. See what happens when you're looking for your papers and all that stuff. Um, they're five and a half up on Philadelphia, and the Phillies are a story in themselves. And the Nationals are seven and a half back. Cubs hold on to a slim half game lead over the Brewers. The Cardinals are just one game back. A lot of other baseball stuff here in this half hour. You want to jump in? 312-332-3776. I did mention that, um, We'll talk about uh, Tony Barnett because who's Tony Barnett? He was a guy the Cubs picked up in the offseason. A pitcher, a relief pitcher, a guy they thought could help. And he has been hurt almost all season long. And now he has been activated by the Cubs. They activated him today. He is called up. Rowan Wick is sent down. Uh, Wick has pitched a little bit. And looking at my guy Zahad of Sharma's uh, breakdown, uh, Barnett, 
has been great since his com- coming back to Iowa after struggling upon his initial uh, rehab assignment. He's got an ERA of zero, nine strikeouts, a hit, a walk in his last eight and a third innings. So he comes up, and the Cubs need some bullpen help for a couple reasons. One, they had to use a couple people, including Victor Caratini yesterday, because uh, you know, Q did not have it. Jose Quintana just didn't have it. The other one is the Cubs in this series against the Atlanta Braves, they're going to play, they're going to pitch Alzale as a starter on Tuesday and Chetwood starting on Thursday. Hendricks is still out uh, with that shoulder. So you've got Lester, Alzale, Darvish, and Chatwood going against the Atlanta Braves in the four-game series. The Cubs are going to also get a chance to see Dallas Keuchel. Keuchel won his first game with Atlanta the other day. Went five innings, gave up eight hits, four runs, three earned, no walks, three strikeouts, 99 pitches. And uh, he is scheduled to go Wednesday. Uh, I haven't seen the official rotation for the um, Braves, but he went on Friday. He should go on uh, Wednesday. So we'll see how that uh, turns out. So interesting series. Cubs want to first wrap this up and get a split with the Mets Again, Hamels and DeGrom, a 120 first pitch. 312-332-3776. White Sox fans, I asked this question to Eric Ostrowski. Murph asked me the other day, uh, yesterday, Murph and Fred, 9 to noon on Saturdays, uh, do you listen to trade offers for Aaron Bummer? Now, I know Rick Hunt says you listen to all deals. And then, you know, I'm sure that when Theo called and said he wanted Jose Quintana, Rick Hunt listened and said, we'll take... Eloy, and we'll take Dylan Cease. Oh, and I got numbers on Dylan Cease, too. He's uh, been struggling a bit his last couple of games. I'll give them to you right now. I got him in front of me. Uh, Cease on Friday, five and two-thirds, nine hits, six runs, five earned, seven strikeouts, three walks. Um, his ERA in his last uh, his last four starts, he's given got 16 and a third, 24 hits, 16 runs. Um, 11 walks and 13 strikeouts. So Dylan Cease, everybody's bring up Cease, bring up, you know, they're going to bring him up when he gets his innings in, just like Kopech when he got his innings in. I know it's tough watching uh, the Spanier pitch, and hopefully the White Sox will come up with something else before that. But if you're a White Sox fan, do you want the White Sox to listen to trades for Aaron Bummer? I guess you'd say yes if they could get something really, really good. Aaron Bummer, as as Eric mentioned when I asked him, uh, you know, you never know about bullpen arms. They can be really good. You can move them, get some nice players, and then all of a sudden they could they could lose it. And Sox fans, should the White Sox make moves in order to try and get a wild card spot? Uh, they're right now. I mean, there's still a couple games under 500. Um, they would obviously, they're hoping that as the season goes on, they get to 500. They go above 500. Uh, Aloy Jimenez continues to improve. And uh, everything else, you know, you get healthy, you get some uh, nice pitchers coming in. Uh, Do they make a move? I know that I asked Rick Hahn before the season about this. I said, listen, if you're close to a wild card spot, I said, "Ah, you know, the the Indians don't seem to be all that healthy. And they weren't coming into the season. They did struggle out of the box. And who knew the Twins were going to do what they're going to do? You don't want to see Hahn give up any of the young guys that you think are going to be big players in the future in order to get a wild card spot this year okay that doesn't seem to make much sense you don't want to see them move a guy like nick madrigal okay who by the way uh they move him up to double a he's uh 388 444 469 19 hits in 13 games with five walks and a strikeout you don't want to see him move a guy that could that you expect to be part of the rebuild 
part of what the White Sox hope to be. 312-332-3776. Cub fans, I'm not leaving you out of the conversation. Descalso and Cargo, okay? Um, Carlos Gonzalez was let go by the Indians. He was out there. He was available. They took a flyer on him. He's not working out. I mean, I don't think he's working out. I can't believe any Cub fan thinks he's working out. What do you think the Cubs need to do as they go forward? I know Black and Abdallah were talking about this a little bit earlier today. I've been saying for a while that it's their offense that needs to step it up. The last two games against the Mets, both losses, they've had six hits in each game. In the first six-hit game, they had Darvish with two of the six. Yesterday, Hayward had three of the six hits. Uh, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position yesterday. The Cubs need to step it up offensively. I know it sounds stupid after Quintana gave up nine runs. But the Cubs need to step up their game offensively. I know their on-base percentage is high. I understand that. They still need to pick up their offense and be more consistent. Madden will probably tell you the same thing if you ask them. And uh, he didn't have to be quoted on it. Um, 312-332-3776. There are a couple things I want to do rant about. And I'm not, it's not necessarily ranting, I guess. I, I guess you could say, you know, if it was another show, if it was Waddle and Sylvia, it would be, what's up, Fred's can? But and there are a couple of things that got to me this week. And when I'm only on Saturday with Murph and then Sundays, they build up. Stuff builds up. You know, you got to, your can starts filling up and you got to, you got to, you know, figure it out. Right. You don't want it to overflow. No. So let's dump it out right now. Right. There's a couple of things and I wanted to throw them out there and see if you guys have any response to them. One of them is, it seems like every year people get excited about this one way or another. And I know teams want you to get excited and Major League Baseball wants you to get excited. Um, there's two things, but one of them is all-star voting. I despise all-star voting and everybody, well, it's a fan's game. The fans want to see who the fans want to see. There's no fan in all the baseball that wants to see Albert Almora play in the outfield of the all-star game. Okay? I like Albert Almora. I'd like to see him play more. I'd like to see him do a little bit better. But for Albert Almora, Kyle Schwarber, and Jason Hayward, all to be in the nine guys that are finalists for the outfield starting spots, in the All-Star game is a complete joke. Now, I don't blame Cub fans because you are asked to vote. And Cub fans support their team. Right now, the Cubs have seven players that are eligible to be starters for the upcoming All-Star game. Wednesday, it starts. All-Star voting starts on Wednesday where you cut down the guys that are finalists and select the starters. You can start voting um, 11 o'clock Chicago time, 12 Eastern time. Voters will choose among the finalists to decide which players get to start for the American League and National League at Progressive Field in Cleveland Tuesday, July 9th. Voting will run for 28 hours. That's it, 28 hours. And then it ends at 3 o'clock Chicago time Thursday. The winners will be announced that night starting at 6 o'clock on ESPN. So obviously the mothership has some a say in this. Because they're going to announce it on ESPN. But everybody has their opinion. And my opinion is all-star voting is stupid. I want, As a baseball fan, I want to see the best players for the first half of the season play in the all-star game. It's called the Midsummer Classic. And for the Midsummer Classic to have guys that are not necessarily all-stars just because 
their fan base got out and voted for them, in my opinion, is silly. James McCann for the White Sox is one of the finalists to catcher. Now, James McCann is having a great year. James McCann's war is over three. He actually deserves some consideration as an all-star. The three catchers are Robinson Chirinos from Atlanta, or from the Astros, former Cub catcher, by the way, uh, James McCann from the White Sox, and Gary Sanchez from the Yankees. Yankee fans got out there and voted for their guy. Uh, the Cubs also have Wilson Contreras. Yasmani Grandal from the Brewers and the Braves, Brian McCann. So there's two. You could have McCann starting <laughs> behind the plate. The thing that gets me about the way that they're doing it this year, and it's actually done this year through Google, and it's the first ever Google MLB All-Star Starters election in advance of the All-Star game. Uh, it was a three-week primary phase uh, of the 2019 Google MLB All-Star ballot. And the thing that gets me is, that the guys that are finalists, there's no guarantee that they even make the all-star team. They're finalists for the starting positions, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be on the squad. How about the American League's second baseman? Jose Altuve, who's been hurt all all first half. Tommy LaStella and DJ LeMahieu. Former Cubs. That's pretty amazing. LeMahieu's played very, very well, and Tommy LaStella deserves it. There's, it's interesting, but again, I'm, I'm looking at the way it's, it's out there. I think it's silly. I think all-star voting is silly. Now, it's never going to change because Google's paying MLB lots of money. And everybody that's associated with this, there's all money. It's the Midsummer Classic, and it's all about money. And it's just, it's just amazing to me that it just continues. I want to see the best players from the first half of the season get out there and play at the All-Star team. My gripe, mostly with the All-Star game, is, like, I get it, it's for the fans. The players really, really enjoy their All-Star weekends in any sport. Right. But the agents and the players use All-Star games and Pro Bowls and and NBA, like, all NBA teams as negotiating factors. Well, the NBA more so than ever. Yes, and and the NBA, it's voted by the writers. So, like, the writers and the fans are dictating what the players are going to get paid based on this voting. That I don't like. Yeah. Yeah, and and I understand, that, like I said, I understand it's a fan's game. The outfielders that you're going to vote for, um, Ronald Acuna, Albert Almora, Cody Bellinger, Charlie Blackman, Jason Hayward, Nick Markakis, Jack Peterson, Kyle Schwarber, and Christian Yelich. Okay, well, first of all, Yelich should be starting, and so should Bellinger. So basically, you should they they should be voting for the third one. Those three Cubs are not all star players. No, they're I'm not. Like, they're 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 good fielders. Two out of those three are fantastic outfielders, yes, they are. but they are not all stars. They're not all stars, and uh, there's no reason for them to be there. The outfield for the American uh, American League, the ones you can vote for: Mookie Betts, Michael Brantley, Joey Gallo, who's hurt; Aaron Judge, who's been hurt most of the year; Austin Meadows, who deserves it this year the way he's played; Josh Reddick, Eddie Rosario, George Springer, hurt most of the year, and Mike Trout. So Mike Trout should be out there. Betts is basically getting voted from last year and from the Boston contingent. Um, the National League third baseman, Arenado Bryant and Donaldson, that's not bad. Uh, but, you know, Trevor Story, Dansby Swanson, Javi Baez. Baez deserves it for what he's been doing most of the season. Um, first base, Josh Bell, Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo. I like Anthony Rizzo. He's put up nice numbers, but Freddie Freeman's been pretty amazing, and what Josh Bell has done has been breakout. So I just, again, I want to see the guys who are the best players in the first half playing in the All-Star game. 
I watch the All-Star game. To be honest, the MLB All-Star game is the only All-Star game I watch. I don't watch any of the others. I was going to go on a big rant about interleague play and the Sox and the Cubs. A lot of people like it. This year, it's really stupid because it's only four games. You saw two on Tuesday or Tuesday and Wednesday this week for the Sox and Cubs at Wrigley. At a guaranteed rate, you're going to get a Saturday and a Sunday where the Sox and Cubs both get Friday, July 5th off. Beyond stupid. To have a Friday off, beyond stupid to just have a two-game series. I would rather the Sox and Cubs never play each other. I would be all for getting rid of interleague play. And then, you want to have the Sox and Cubs play each other? Good. Add the other two teams, make it 32 teams, 16 in each league, and then put the Sox and Cubs in the same division with Detroit, Minnesota, St. Louis. And then, then, that would be fun. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to make sure we got to because there's great stuff going on all around baseball. And let's play some of it because um, there's such great stuff in baseball going on. We talked about the New York Yankees. The damn Yankees have won eight in a row. They did it offensively and defensively yesterday. The opposite way with Carey. Reddick watching. Reddick out of room. Gone. Home run. Urshela six. And the all-time Yankees record tied. 25 straight games. The Yankees have gone deep. Club to Stanton in left field. Stanton leaps in. He makes the catch. What a play by Giancarlo Stanton in left field. Here's the payoff. Sliced into right field for a base hit. Multi-hit night. Max Stassi to the base of the wall. Judge has a chance at second. Tag is down. Plenty of time. And they cut him down at second. Yankees as a team batting 377 with the bases loaded. Top average in the league. On the ground. Planks off the ground. Bregman can't handle it. LeMahieu is in. Judge comes motoring home. Two across. Yankees on top. Here's Austin Romine, the number nine hitting catcher, shoots this deep out to right field. Reddick and a room gone home run. Play the elements, Austin Romine. Yankee Stadium, this is the second home run tonight they've hit that have both gone about 320 feet. Well, Stanton gave the Yankees lead in the sixth, trying to do so again here in the seventh. Hard hit, Curiel off his glove. And once again, Giancarlo Stanton gives the Yankees the lead. Two runs in, it's 7-5. It's just not fair. The Yankees get Stanton and Judge. And I would, I'm kidding. It's not fair. Uh, Stanton and Judge come back. They both contribute offensively and defensively. And the Yankees right now have a five and a half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League East. A week from today, you're going to be listening to Yankee baseball here on ESPN from London. Uh, we won't be here because we're, we're going to be doing that game on ESPN as the Yankees go to London to play the Red Sox. And um, Cubs go next year, right, against the Cardinals. They do. I did not know that game was in London. I couldn't figure out why it started at, like, 8.30. Yeah, it starts <laughs> at 8.30 sense. next week right here on ESPN 1000. So you'll hear the Yankees. Uh, again, the damn Yankees, they just keep winning and playing very, very well. I mentioned Freddie Freeman and the Braves. They're coming to town tomorrow for the first of a four-gamer with the Cubs. Freddie Freeman, you think he's pretty good? He drove in not one, not two, but five yesterday. Two down. His runners are Acuna and Swanson. Setting the table for Freddie Freeman. Freeman to right field delivers. From third base, Acuna scores. Here comes Swanson. The throw is cut off, and it's a one-run game. 
Freddie Freeman comes through again with a two-run single to make it five to four. Here come the Braves. Now you got to deal with Freddie Freeman. Watch first pitch. Freeman drives one towards the gap in left center field. That's going to get down to the track and the wall. One run is in. Acuna will score and it'll clear the bases. Swanson is in. Three runs are in. Braves have come all the way back to tie this game at eight. Highlights courtesy of uh, Fox and, yeah, Freddie Freeman and the hard-hitting Braves coming to town tomorrow to take on your Chicago Cubs. A lot of Cubs fans, a lot of Chicago people make fun of St. Louis, and they make fun of St. Louis baseball fans, and they talk about wearing the cutoffs, which, by the way, I've been telling you for years, they're coming back. I've seen them everywhere. They're all the way back. Yeah, they're all the way back. back. I can go back now deep into my closet and dig out the the jean shorts I have and wear them. But uh, you got to respect what they do down in St. Louis. They loved their guy, Albert Pujols, even though he's with the Angels. They still love him. 2-1 to Pujols, driven to left, and it's deep. It is way back there, and Albert Pujols has hit it out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They're cheering. Albert Pujols, his 13th home run, a line drive smash into the Angels' bullpen. And everybody standing and applauding in St. Louis. It's a lot easier to applaud when you're up 4-0, now 4-1. But we, we were wondering a couple of innings ago, how would they respond? They were on their feet in anticipation, and that was in a 0-0 game. I think they would have cheered just the same had the Angels gone up one to nothing at that time. Well, Pools taking, they're waiting. Here it comes, a curtain call. A curtain call in St. Louis when he hits a home run against his former team. Again, Chris Singleton with the uh, color commentary on ESPN Radio as uh, it made it easier that the Cardinals had the lead in that one. And Pujols, it meant a lot to him. Trying to walk around the base and get into a play and try to get in the dugout and hold everything in you, man, that was... Well, it's hard, you know. It's pretty special. First of all, thanking God that I was able to hit it out. And, uh, you know, you don't think much. It's just, you know, my, you know, you just hear the crowd at that moment, you know, as you're walking around the base and just everybody <laughs> being excited. It's just a moment that I would treasure forever. Yeah, they were very excited down in St. Louis. Uh, they loved Albert Pujols, and uh, he made tons and tons of money, and he comes back and hits a home run against the Cardinals. One more highlight, and this is from two days in a row. Uh, I talked about the damn Yankees and the Dodgers, a couple of World Series losses, and uh, back-to-back rookies with walk-off home runs. want to know to Beatty. Fly ball, center field. Well hit. On its way, and at the wall, it's gone! A walk-off home run from Matt Beatty! And the Dodgers win it 4-2. Here's the 1-1. Fly ball to right. On its way, and Verdugo has left the yard. Another walk-off home run for the Dodgers. They're second in less than 24 hours. They're fifth of the year. Verdugo's first career walk-off hit, and the Dodgers win 5-4. to four. Charlie Steiner with a call from uh, 570 AM out in Los Angeles. The Dodgers with back-to-back wins. The Dodgers have a 12-game lead over the Rockies in the NL West. I got some other baseball stats. I don't know if I'll be able to get to all of them today, uh, but uh, what the Dodgers have been doing, pretty darned amazing, and uh, you know, between them and the Yankees, you know, if you're a longtime baseball guy, you're probably not happy. Walker Bueller the other night, Friday, 16 strikeouts, 
15 of his 16 were swinging. Um, tied for the second most by any starter in a game in the last 10 seasons. Uh, Phillies have lost 14 of their last 20. They've dropped eight games in the standings. Right now, Philadelphia, five and a half back of Atlanta in the NL East. Let's grab a quick call before we take a break and talk some soccer. Let's go to Burr Ridge and Don. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Don, what's up? Hey, you guys are talking about the all-star voting, and, and here's my thought, and, and I'm a diehard baseball fan. I don't care if it's the Sox, the Cubs, the Yankees, whatever. I'll read baseball any day of the week. First of all, I, I totally disagree with the fans uh, voting on the, the all-star game. couple reasons. Number one, first of all, it's a popularity contest. Right. Second of all, there's many, many, many more fans in Chicago, L.A., Boston, New York that will vote for their home team guys, which makes it unfair for deserving guys. Third of all, it's this year's All-Star game. It's not last year's. So you talked a little bit about Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is not an All-Star this year. Right. Sure, but he doesn't belong on an All-Star team. He'll make it because of his popularity and his namesake. Somebody like McNeil from the the Mets is batting 340. Reynolds from uh, Pittsburgh is hitting 330. Some of these guys... um, the, the first base for Alonzo from the Mets has got 26 homers. These guys should be on the All-Star team. These are the guys that are having All-Star years. So they're no-names. Get them in there. They're getting on. I think that's the way you should do it. Don, appreciate the call. I could not agree with you anymore. You're exactly right. Uh, I just think baseball should you know, have a committee. And uh, you know, you want to put want writers to put people in. That's fine with me. But again, as long as it's sponsored, as long as MLB makes money, they're probably always going to have the fan voting. And I guess they like to have the fans feel like they're part of it. Boy, oh boy, you're really not. Uh, some soccer talk. Lots of soccer going on. We'll discuss when we come back. Fred, you open there with you. Want to jump in? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Here on ESPN one thousand. Your favorite players. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Celebrate responsibly. This is Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Huebner with you till the top of the hour. Again, next Sunday, we've got baseball, Yankees and Red Sox at 830 from London. On Sunday morning, uh, Black will be here, I think, from 7 till 8.30 uh, next week. Um, and then we go to baseball in London. He'll throw it to baseball in London. So that'll be interesting. The The Bears going to London in October. The Blackhawks opening their season in Prague, which, by the way, I have a ticket for that game. Um, and I'm going to be out there for Oktoberfest, I think. Um, so that should be fun. Oktoberfest in Munich. Blackhawks in Prague. Then I could go to Bears in London. No, I actually have a job, and I have to. I can't do all that stuff. But yeah, that's uh, that'd be a fun, fun trip. Um, I'm sure there'll be people that'll be out there. There are people now who are in France as the World Cup is going on, the Women's World Cup. I know it's funny. People say, "Well, you know what? They don't always have to say the Men's World Cup." Okay, fine. We'll just say the World Cup. The World Cup's going on in France. Who's playing? Uh, the women. Oh, so it's the Women's World Cup. Well, they, you know, people don't like to refer to it as the Women's World Cup. Okay, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's the World Cup being played by the women. And right now, the USA women, who are one of the favorites, are have advanced to the round of 16. The knockout round, they play Spain on Monday. The game gets underway at 11 o'clock which is tough for a lot of people to watch because, again, 
people that have jobs. Um, should be a very, very interesting game. Uh, the U.S. women took a lot of a beating because of them celebrating their 13 to nothing win. And then when they played the next game and won three to nothing, they just scored a goal and ran to the sideline and like low high fived everybody. And then that was it. So that was kind of their thing to say, okay, fine. You don't want us to celebrate. We'll just do our little thing and go off. And uh, so now they will play Spain. Spain is very, very good. We'll see how uh, the U.S. does. And with the men unable to make the men's World Cup, there, I said Men's World Cup. Um, it, it's nice to see the women who are a dominant force in soccer um, get to the round of 16. Beating Spain would be great. And then advancing to the quarterfinals. And we'll see how that all works out for the U.S. women. Now, if you love soccer, you may have been watching last night the U.S. men's national team. Now, they did not go to the 2018 World Cup. They had a chance if they beat Trinidad and Tobago in 2017. That's right, Trinidad and Tobago. And they couldn't beat them. Last night, they were playing in what is called the Gold Cup. And the championship of the Gold Cup, I think, is July 7th at Soldier Field. And the USA hoping to be there. And you look at it, last night, the USA played Trinidad and Tobago. At halftime, it was one nothing. USA had the lead. And that was nice. Uh, a goal from Aaron Long, uh, a defender for the U.S. men's national team. Second half, they opened it up. Christian Pulisic, and I know Yerk, if Yerk's listening, he's yelling right now because, uh, it should be pronounced Pulisic or Pulisic. I'm sorry. And, uh, but he wants to pronounce Pulisic. So that's what we'll do. Um, he was very, very good yesterday. He had a goal. He had two assists. Jossie Zardis with a couple of goals. The U.S. in the second half with five goals. They go on to a 6 nothing win. They are on top of Group D in the Gold Cup. They play Panama on Wednesday. Georgi Mihalovic of the Chicago Fire was called up because of an injury. He is with the team, and uh, that's great to see for a kid from Homer Glen, from Lamont, uh, who grew up there. His dad uh, played soccer with the old North American Soccer League. I actually went to high school with his dad over at Morton East. Uh, he played high school soccer at Morton East along with Miro Reese, who was a tremendous soccer player, signed a deal to play in Germany, and unfortunately was killed uh, in the Autobahn back in the uh, early 80s, I want to say. But uh, Georgi Mihalovic on the team probably won't get on the field. We will see if he does or not. But um, it's nice to see him out there. Nice to see the U.S. men's national team as they're building. I mean, Greg Berhalter, the new coach for the U.S. men's national team, they're trying to get back to where this country should be with soccer. Now, uh, the rest of the world has played the game for a lot longer than uh, they have in the U.S., and um, we'll see how long it takes. We'll see if they get to the next World Cup in Qatar in 2022. And then in 2026, it's in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So that's going to be all kinds of confusing. And they expanded to 48 uh, teams, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, that year. So we'll see how things go for the U.S. men's national team. Again, they play Panama on Wednesday. There are other things, believe it or not. Again, if you're a soccer fan, there are other things going on. Copa America is going on. I asked Miller the other day. I said, were you watching the Cub game? He goes, I had a Cub game on. And so, oh, he goes, I was watching Copa America. And you're watching the tournament from down in South America. The African Cup of Nations is going on. There's soccer everywhere. We're going to get to the fire game in a second. The Chicago Red Stars, who also play at SeatGeek Stadium, are playing tonight. Um at 5 o'clock, also on NBC Sports Chicago. They are playing later on this evening. Now, 
it's weird because the Women's World Cup's going on, and there are four players on the USA squad who are Red Stars players. So they will not be at the Red Stars game tonight. It's kind of weird for a league to keep playing, uh, but that happens in soccer because the way U.S. soccer is played in the summer, uh, around the rest of the world, they take off June and July. And so, you know, other countries like in Germany and England who have women's professional leagues, they're able to play in these World Cups and not have to worry about taking time away from their teams. But you want to get out there and see the Chicago Red Stars again, 5 o'clock, SeatGeek Stadium tonight, or NBC Sports Chicago. Nice to see NBC Sports doing that game. Uh, we're going to talk about the Chicago Fire in just a second. The uh, Chicago Fire played last night, and uh, they had a match at SeatGeek Stadium. We'll break that one down. You want to jump on in, 312-332-3776. And uh, one or two other baseball things before we get to uh, take a break. I had a, a caller here, or a um, a listener, Cubs fan, and a bunch of numbers. I don't want to give all the numbers. Um, he said, Fred, you're spot on with the all-star voting. It's a sham. Anthony Rendon not being a finalist at third base is a joke. Both he and Arenado's offensive stats are far superior to Chris Bryant's, and both are far superior defensively. Bryant is hitting 191 with runners in scoring position. Uh, Arenado, 400. Uh, Rendon, 300. He brought up, he mentioned... Chris Bryant. And one more baseball note before I get back to the fire and soccer. We're going to take a quick break. Lucas Giolito did not pitch well against the Cubs the other day. But you know what Lucas Giolito did do? Lucas Giolito threw high fastballs to Chris Bryant, and he struck him out three times. And it's not just Chris Bryant. When I'm watching, if you watch the Houston Astros pitchers, I think Verlander's going today for the Astros as they play the Yankees. High fastballs. And I loved it because I heard Steve Stone mention it because Lance Lynn has been doing it this year. Elevated fastballs get out most of these big hitters. And elevated fastballs get out Javi Baez. He's got a quick bat, sometimes not quick enough. The elevated fastball is the best pitch in baseball nowadays because of launch angle, because of guys trying to hit home runs. The elevated fastball is a tremendous pitch. And for the last couple of years... It was always puzzling to me why more people didn't throw Chris Bryant elevated fastballs if you're trying to get him out. Obviously, you're a Cub fan. You can tell when a ball's coming to Chris Bryant. If it's on the inside part of the plate, knee high, he's going to hit the hell out of it. He doesn't miss mistakes. So that's the problem with a lot of pitchers. The elevated fastball, they can't get up high enough. And then it comes waist high and boom, gets knocked out of the park. That's what happened with Nomar Mazzara's home run yesterday off Despagne. I hate saying Despagne's name. Hopefully, I won't have to say it anymore. Or the next time I say his name, I'll say the pitcher that used to be with the White Sox, uh, Despagne, because he won't be pitching anymore. Rick Hunt, I hope you're listening. We come back, a little bit of Chicago Fire soccer talk right here at ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Uten on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. We got baseball tonight, Sunday Night Baseball, here on ESPN 1000. And don't forget Cap and Company tomorrow at 9. And uh, Carmen Yurko coming up at uh, noon, 2 o'clock. Waddle and Sylvie. Well, lots to talk about. See if Sylvie's excited about the uh, Braves. Braves and Cubs, a big four-game series. It's starting to cloud up a little bit. The forecasters may have been right. 
looks out looks nice out there until around noon, and then they said uh, the skies might open up again. It was raining all the way here this morning, early this morning. Uh, last night it did not rain. Didn't rain goals either for the Chicago Fire as the fire took on uh, Riel Salt Lake last night. The fire had a long break because the league took about three weeks off and um, the fire got back to it. They've been struggling to get goals and last night wasn't much of a difference. Early in the game, the Chicago Fire got on the board. There was a penalty near the top of the box, and it meant a free kick for the Chicago Fire's Alexander Katai. More power with Schweinsteiger, but I think more placement with Nico Gaetano or Katai. It's Katai! Back to the goal! Katai, the killer, with the opening strike! That's a great start. Dangerous there, set piece. Leaning a little bit. Yeah, he was leaning a little bit. Nick Romano, the goalkeeper for Real Salt Lake, and the Chicago Fire had a one nothing lead in the fifth minute. That was good. You expect, okay, you score a goal early. You're at home. You're going to score some more goals. And uh, the Fire actually had uh, some chances throughout. They had chances to get more oper- more goals. Uh, Dax McCarty slips a ball inside the box to Nemanja Nikolic. Um, uh, Nikolic attempts a shot blocked. Uh, by the RSL um, defender. Um, final 10 minutes of the match. Two very, very good scoring opportunities for the Fire uh, to get the game-winning goal. The 82nd minute, Katai found space on the right side of the box. Fires a low shot, uh, just missed the far post. Six minutes later, Brant Bronico, who did a great job at the right-back position, who the Fire had been looking for a right-back to come in and play. Maybe Bronico grabs that spot. He gets a uh, poor clearance from RSL and slips a ball over to Frankowski, who runs on and uh, tries to get the ball powers a header on target stopped by Romando it was one nothing early the uh, RSL tied it up a handball in the box and uh, watching the game and I've mentioned this before uh, I'm a big Sox fan and a big Chicago Fire fan there's no more frustrating sport to watch if you're a fan than soccer and I guess it happens all around the world. You're a Chelsea fan, you're struggling. You're a Man United fan, you live and die with this. The Chicago Fire is such a frustrating team to watch because they have numerous opportunities and cannot score goals. Uh, they end up with a 1-1 draw last night. 17 games into a 34-game season. They need to be doing better. That's what their captain, uh, Dax McCarty, said. I think we're, we're all a little bit disappointed, a little bit frustrated with the first half of the season. Um, we expect more. Uh, let me put it as simple as I possibly can. Um, we expect more out of ourselves in this locker room, and I know that there's more out there for us. So not the result we wanted tonight. Definitely a frustrated locker room again, which has kind of been the um, little bit of the theme of the season. Um, got a little bit of momentum there a couple weeks back, and then it's it's kind of... You know, it's uh, it's it's dissipated a little bit, and now that big break and losing in the Open Cup and now drawing, it's just it feels like it's we got to get going again. McCarty, the captain for the team, it was a Pride Night out at SeatGeek Stadium last night. He had the uh, armband on. McCarty talked about the struggles for the Chicago Fire. They have opportunities, they just can't seem to put the ball in the net, which is the object of the game. I think that we're creating chances. I mean, I don't think that. Anyone that has watched us play this year can say that we're not creating good chances. I just think we're um, we're not as fluid uh, as we need to be in the attack. Uh, I think we lack a little bit of rhythm at times. Um, it's almost as if 
sometimes we, I think, rely a little bit too much on <clears throat> our players' 1v1 ability, which is very good um, to, to get us in the box. And then once we're there, um, when teams are deep uh, and when it's time to uh, to put the ball in the net, we just lack a little bit of that killer instinct. Yeah, the killer instinct in soccer is what you definitely need. The guys that make all the big money are the guys that score the goals, Messi and Ronaldo. Those are the guys that make the money. Neymar, um, Rooney, all those people, they score goals. They make the big money. Chicago Fire have Nemanja Nikolic, who won the Golden Boot for the most goals in the league a couple of years ago, and uh, he is struggling to put the ball in the net this year. Now, the question was going to come up, and it comes up with every sport, is, okay, the team is struggling. They should be doing better. How is the locker room? And who was designated to ask this question? I guess that maybe they drew straws, and the Daily Herald's Orange Schwartz asked the question. You mentioned it was a frustrated locker room. Is it still a together locker room? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no question about it. Um, I think it's easy in these situations uh, to get negative and to let your frustration boil over, um, but the locker room is together. Uh, we have we have good veterans. We have guys with experience. We have guys that have played in this league long enough to know that um, you just need one or two good results to go your way, and you need one or two. Sometimes when you're in a stretch like this, I mean, you just need a little bit of luck. I mean, you know, it's it's not like we're we're out there getting dominated by teams. No, they've been playing very very well defensively. They played a good game last night. Uh, only allowed the goal on a on a penalty kick after a handball in the box by Mo Adams. So hopefully uh, the fire can do better next Friday. They are at the New York Red Bulls. Next time they're home, it'll be the third of July. They welcome in Atlanta United, and uh, they are the defending MLS champions. So uh, the fire. Uh, struggling in 1-1 draw yesterday. Quickly, lineups. White Sox, Rangers. It'll be Lurie Garcia in center. Moncada at third. Abreu, then McCann behind the plate. Jimenez is in left. Alonzo is at first base. You also have, boy, it's so hard to read this. Anderson at short. Sanchez at second. And uh, Ryan Cordell in right. For the Cubs, you don't think I can get this into you. Schwarber in left. Bryant at third. Rizzo at first. You got Baez at short. Hayward in right. Bodie at third. Caratini behind the plate, Hamels and Almora. It'll be Hamels against DeGrom. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski for all of his help. Thank you for listening. Fred Hubner with you right here on ESPN 1000.